Beloveds, I want to begin a conversation. The Reformation, Sola Scriptura, just scripture, sola fide, just faith, uh, sola Christos, just Jesus, uh, sola, how do you say grace? Let's just say sola grace and only for the glory of God, for the glory of God alone, okay? Doxa, Deo, I don't know, remember how you say that exactly. Okay, here we go. Praise you, Jesus. Scripture alone was in argument against Roman Catholic teaching that church tradition and church teaching contributed to church understanding and church orthodoxy and church orthopraxy, what you believe in, how you, how you live it. If you have the word of God, if you believe in Jesus, you're it. You're done, right? You belong to the Lord. That's it. It's great. Does God communicate through the church and to the church by his voice indirectly, doesn't he? And doesn't that rhema, that right now communication to the believers in Christ Jesus via the Holy Spirit, isn't that a way of saying church teaching? Of course, we're not going to follow man, human, people's, just, you know, I think we ought to dot, 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 right? But if God reveals something, let's say to Francis of Assisi or Mother Teresa or, right, Benedict or um, Martin de Porres, people in history in the Catholic Church, he can do that, Right? In fact, didn't he do that with Martin Luther? Give him something that had not been followed up until that point. Okay? Now Martin Luther might say, well, all I'm doing is mining what's already there and not being paid attention to. I get that. But in the experience of the global church, the small U universal church or Catholic church with a small C that is a church teaching affecting the church. Okay. And in fact, although the Roman Catholic church is liturgical and known for some formality and ceremony, sometimes even pomp, isn't it actually rather charismatic, rather um, pneumatic, right? Spirit 
oriented in saying that I have the written logos and I have what God has told us personally as a body, as leaders, as a church, however you're delineating that understanding, the disseminating of truth can happen today. And in fact, as we live before we've read Genesis to Revelation to have it by heart, isn't God continually aiding, supporting, guiding us as we live? As we then share with our children and our employees and our friends that which has come to us, are we not, as members of the church, teaching and creating traditions with those things that are adopted and integrated into our church life or into our community life as believers? Okay. So, Sola Scriptura... I hear you. I also hear church tradition and church teaching can be valuable contributors and don't have to be corrupt to be of benefit to the body. In fact, They're vital, I would say. Okay. Now, sola fide, faith alone. Jesus said, hey, just believe. (laughs) God says, believe in my word. Trust. Have faith. Mm -hmm. And what about this sort of potentially mm, conflicting message in James? You show me your faith, I'll show you my works. Can't have the faith without works. Chicken or the egg, which comes first? Sola fide, sola fide. And as we have, some of us heard, yes, but if you have faith, you're going to have works. It's like John 15, 5, Jesus says, abide in me as I abide in you. He says, you will bear much fruit. Right? You will glorify your Father. Even in let your light shine, you're the light of the world. Well, He is that light. Amen? He calls you the light. And that comes from cleaving to Him. And our identity in Christ Jesus is never without Christ Jesus. Meaning, as I am fully who I am, it's in Christ. So... My faith is also a cleaving to, turning to, focus on, caring about, learning about, coming into the knowledge of, listening to, following, right? My faith in Christ Jesus is spiritually knowing him the way that a man would know a woman and a woman would know a man. And there are offspring from my knowledge. So as I have faith in Christ Jesus, the faithful 
one, right? He's faithful to me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He is for me and not against me. He is in me eternally. He's already said I do, right? On the cross. As my I do strengthens, so I bear fruit of this union, this communion, this union with him. And I experience nourishment, right? The bread of the children of God is healing. Healing is the children's bread. And that comes by grace. It comes by faith. It comes by fellowship. There are, there's physical healing, emotional healing, mental healing. There's healing of our will. There's spiritual healing. And just knowing Jesus is healing. When you are, let's say, living with, dwelling with, residing with, focused on the truth, that which is not true falls away. It's lit and no longer hiding, no longer mm, crouched, no longer sneaky. It's exposed and it flees. That's what the darkness does. If you turn a light on, the darkness is gone. So as you are befriended by and befriending, engaged by and engaging the Lord, you're healing. You're associating with him. Okay? So, sola fide, yes, faith alone. Okay, sure. Faith, that's right. But faith gives birth to works. And those works are graces of God. We participate in these things that have been ordained for us, ordered for us, set forth for us, predestined for us to walk in. We live in certain ways. Our existence includes certain things that are beneficial. Preaching, teaching, healing, you know, um, serving, leading, um, all those sort of mainline, clear-cut, obvious ways. But billions follow, right? Manifold are the ways that we exercise our faith and experience our faith manifest. So sola fide, yes, okay, and works. Sola fide scriptura, yes, and church teaching and church tradition. Now, when I say these things, I'm not, believe it or not, entering into the fight because I do say, yes, scripture, and I do say, yes, faith, which sounds highly, you know, reformational. And I do say church tradition, and I do say church teaching, and I do say works, which sounds highly Catholic with the big C. And then sola gras. Well, grace, again, the grace and the works, right? Um, Are we in a meritocracy? Or is this all unmerited favor? 
I'm all about grace. Grace, 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 grace. And I live a life in which sometimes the Lord will say to me in his own way, let's go tea. He will have me speak to someone, whether it's a friend, um, someone I work with, uh, someone I've never met before. He will have me just offer a word. I may write a word and it may have in it almost a sternness. It's time. Let's go. Let's do this. Which sounds like put your big person pants on and let's get going. Let's, let's get on. Put your boots on. Let's go. Let's do this. And it doesn't really seem to have a lot of interest in whether you're sleepy or whether you had anything to eat this morning. It's let's, let's, let's do this. A timing issue and a willingness issue. I bring it up because God does command. God does speak. God does expect us to respond to what he says. And God does direct our paths. And God does raise us and teach us and guide us and even narrow us and provide yes provide in the things that we want but sometimes providing things that we would not wish there is a sanctifying process and there are experiences of the deeds of our flesh being mortified being separated from us being revealed as past and old and no longer useful We are gaining value. We are esteeming the fruits of the flesh, the gifts of the, I mean, excuse me, the fruits of the spirit, the gifts of the spirit, the presence of the spirit, the life of the spirit, the direction of the spirit increasingly. And as we do, we are conforming to Christ and we are experiencing change, real change, transformation. So yes, grace all by grace, everything by grace, everything given, initiated by God. And God creates in us capacity, ability. He raises us into volunteers, happily, willingly, cheerfully, giving, doing, living in ways that are greatly pleasing to him. Now, Grace, you'll say, hey, God's pleased with you before you even wake up in the morning. You say, God is not mad at you. You say, God will never love you more than he loves you today. Like there are a lot of ways of describing people's experience of God's grace. So then what about when God says, I want you to do this and I want you to do it now? Or when he says, I wanted you to do something you didn't do. Or I did not want you to do what you just did. Or even, I don't want you to do that again. <laughs> Where does that go in you? Well, how, wait, how am I supposed to, wait, hold on a minute, you know? Wait, wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. How do I, just little old me, subject of your grace, right? Paul said, now, who is the 
clay to tell the potter what's right and what's wrong and how to mold it. Part of our, an aspect of our trust in the Lord is that when he says something, we call that righteous. When he tells us to do something or to not do something, we take that command as empowerment, as anointing. We walk in his ways knowing that all of his ways are making our way plain. Possible. The God of the impossible makes everything he says possible. All of his promises, right? Yea and amen. So we're walking by his grace, in his grace, to his grace. And I say that to say while we are grace babies, you know, woohoo! forgiven. Amen. Unmerited favor. Absolutely. And he raises children who imitate him as his dear ones and are in the world as Christ is. So there is an activity that we are thumbs up on. We're voting yes on, and we're not robots. We are doing, we are being, we are choosing as God has taught us. And there's a partnership that we yield to, that yes, he initiates, but then we have an increasing initiation. Sometimes God will say to me, what do you want? I'm like, what do I want? What do you want? (laughs) I don't know. What do you, no, what do you want? How do you feel? What do you see? Jesus said to his disciple, when the disciple said, but we're in trouble, he said, well, you know, what would you do? What do you think? How, how do you feel about this? What's your next step here? And his disciple reasoned it out. Well, I mean, even if we did this, that would be. So he's training his disciple to think like he does. And his disciple doesn't correctly or adequately recognize the potential solely because Jesus is with him. But he does experience and thus, and thus participate in the miracle. As Jesus says to him, you bring what you've got to me. Jesus blessed it and he gave it back. And as his disciples distributed it, it multiplied beyond their wildest dreams. That was a good day for his disciple. And a paradigmatic shift in what he thought was possible so that when Jesus was raised from the dead and ascended and in his heart and he walked the earth believing in the Christ that was in him the Holy Spirit could remind him of the days and the ways of Christ and he could walk in those trusting that they were real for him as they were in Jesus's audience. Okay. So yes, sola scriptura, sola fide, sola grace, um, and then sola Christos. I mean, absolutely sola Christos. And of course, Christ Jesus calls the church his beloved. And he chooses to dwell in her and empower or anoint, guide, administer himself through her, calling her 
corporately as his body, calling each of her members like cells in a body, his temple. Paul says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Lord? And are we not, as Ephesians teaches us, together building a temple, right? Joint upon joint, you and me, without us, without you, without me, we don't have what we are in him and he in us. And the Bible tells us that, praise Jesus, eternally, we're not going to need Con Ed or Excel or, um, what was that called? Oh, I don't Denver, Dayton, Light, and Power, Power and Light. I think that was called Dayton, Power and Light. We're, gonna, we're not going to need an electricity company. We will be lit from within. Bright light, plenty of light. We are his envelope, and he encompasses us. How is that? You know, although... I can tell you it's got to be a mystery. There is some sense in me and maybe in you too. I kind of, a little bit get it. I sense an understanding of it or a, it sounds good and right to me too. He's among us, meaning he literally coats our corporate assemblage And he's within us, throughout us, right? Our new DNA. He's what holds us together. Yes, it's all about Jesus. And Jesus is all about us, all about God's creation. God's word is all about God's creation. And God's creation is literally like woman was for man, for God's word. Amen? I'm interested in that relationship because as God is doing something with women, and I mean they're just popping up left and right, I in my own life am watching spiritual daughters and mentees and professors, people I know, just doing mighty things and not even just on the world stage where you're seeing them like bright lights right in the the constellation of uh, the economy or professions but just in our social fabric in our social life I'm seeing people just rise up I'm seeing people shine women shine as God does this I'm interested I'm interested. I don't believe this dulls, dims, or diminishes men. But I do believe it's calling on men in a way to recognize the beauty of Jesus' sovereignty and servanthood and intimate dwelling and satisfaction, his cherishing us. The woman outside the garden was not desired, but things were backwards and her desire was for the man. And he 
was ruling over her. And here's what's interesting. Jesus said to his disciples at one point, he said a couple of things. One, he was like, really? Like, how long do I have to be with you? Because they were like, you know, if you show us the father, we'll totally know who you are. <laughs> he was like, you got to be kidding me, really? The cross is like tomorrow, guys, you know? But he also said, if you, if you call me Lord, do what I tell you to do. What was he not doing? Spanking them. What was he not doing? Forcing them. I had an alarm go off. What was he not doing? Demanding from them. Even when he ached for them to do differently than they were doing. He said, hey, can you just for an hour, do you mind just pray for me? comes back and they're sleeping. This is the hour. This is his trial. This is the rough night of his life. And they're sleeping. And the Bible says their their eyes were heavy. There's a reason that their eyes were heavy. That came from somewhere. So they were having a particularly hard time staying awake. But from Jesus' perspective, I need your help. But he didn't. He was their Lord. But he didn't say, look, buddy. <laughs> he was like, oh, but please, could you? Do you mind? They were volunteers. What that meant is that they were allowed to betray him. They were allowed to walk away. They were allowed to use the treasure, right? The treasurer was allowed to use the treasure in ungodly ways. They could be completely discombobulated. And he would say, hey, I don't commend myself to man. I know what's in man. I commend my spirit to the Lord. I, I trust that day to God. And he would get up early in the morning and go off and be with God. Because God was the one that was walking him through his journey on earth. All that is to say, with man doing whatever man would do, God affected a perfected journey for Jesus. And he lived exactly as it pleased God for him to live. Through that life, the church was born. And the church was a group of folks that believed like crazy that Jesus is Lord. So strongly that other people were like, okay. <laughs> Gospel is the power, right? The power of salvation. 
and uprose the church. This bride, this body of Christ, this dwelling space on earth for God's word made flesh. I'm interested in Jesus' way with us and in after the resurrection how men and women might relate, how this might go. Jesus, who is our head, chooses to live in our hearts. I just wonder how might that parallel in the way that we are walking um, as men and women, husbands and wives. Very interested, given some of the some of the senses I feel like I've received from the Lord. Okay. And frankly, some of the blessing I've received from my husband. Um, not only does my husband not dominate me, but I don't dominate him. I don't. There is a way that I honor my husband. And if my husband was to say to me today, honey, um, we're moving to Machu Picchu. I would wrestle because I'm like, I, let me, I'm pretty sure God, let me pray. Lord, Greg is saying, right? But I remember, and I just mentioned this to him yesterday. I remember a night, and we're going way back years ago, um, many years ago. I said, I'd like to go to church tomorrow. We had one car. And Greg said, no. I mean, he said, no. No. Now, I had been silent for 40 days. I had done a 40-day fast. So I really just wrote it on a piece of paper, you know. I think we're supposed to go to church. I think I'm supposed to go to church tomorrow. I said, I think I'm supposed to go to church tomorrow. He said, no. So I went in, and I shut the door, and I was quiet with the Lord. And I was both praying and saying, Lord, you'll find a way to gift me with what you want me to have or whatever. don't remember exactly what I prayed. Greg knocks on the door and he says to me, I don't know how long after, we can go, we can go. And I thought, what was that? That was nothing but Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. You kind of have to have been there. But the thing about two souls surrendered to the Lord, you lose that human element of somebody ruling over somebody else. You lose that sense of the whip and chain or the whatcha, you know, you're, you're both sub, subjected, submitted, so happily surrendered to what you know cares ultimately for you both equally and passionately, or who rather. So while, with all of that, yes, sola Christos, yes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And Jesus says, my church, my church, my new Jerusalem, right, my beloved, my bride. And last thing on that one, take a peek at Song of Solomon. Because Song of Solomon has this woman who is the Shulamite, whose name is like the female version of Solomon, okay? Just like with man and woman, Isha and Isha, Isha comes out of Ish, right? 
So she begins just cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over him. She's just, oh, it's him. Oh, you know? <laughs> and then, then he makes a suggestion and she's like, okay, maybe not yet because there's this and I'm kind of scared and, and her flesh begins to show itself. And he doesn't pay attention to it. He speaks back to her affirmation, appreciation, acceptance, approval, and aspiration. A sense of you, you are so lovely. And in that seeing her in ways that she doesn't see herself, he sees so much possible. It's not expectation like measure up. No, it's expectation as in you are so much. So now her attention's on him and his attention's on her. And he's just pouring in. You are this and you are that and you are this and you. And she gets to a point and she goes, you know what? I'm going. What, whatever you're wanting from me. <laughs> She's like, I'm Whatever you want from me, you're going to get it. I, you know, if the mountains are hard and rough and whatever, let's go. Let's go. She, she realizes this man sees her, but he doesn't just see her. He sees stuff. His sight goes deep into her. And she begins to really trust. Not, come on, not in the flesh. Oh, you're so lovely. Even though the words he's using sound like that, she's getting strength from what he's saying. She's hearing it spiritually. She's hearing a ring, a resonance, a frequency that is speaking to transformation for her. And as she goes the way that he leads, she grows, she matures. And there are a couple of places where people speak about her. And she's changing. They're see like who who is that? What what is that? Right? So they see the cosmetic, but the cosmetic is coming from her on this faith journey, this believing what he is saying journey, this following his words about her and to her and in her. And in the end, this one who is her unquestioned king and, you know, Lord and beloved and focus. And in fact, she's gone from saying he's mine and I'm his to saying I'm his and he's mine. She's on a mountain of spices and she's disseminating that which he has given her out to others. And she is praising him. She's appreciating him and she's calling for him. She has brought along a group of those like her who want to hear more about him. Oh, tell us about your beloved because she's in love and who doesn't want to be in love? And the love she has has grown sweeter and deeper as it has been informed and affected by his love for her. It's been purified. 
Why do I put it this way? Because I feel like that's what we get in Romans, in, in Ephesians 5 or 6. That's what we're getting when we hear about the husband who washes his wife. There's a cherishing, there's a desire, there's an appreciation. And if you look at the way that some men have treated their, their, um, their motorcycles or their hobbies, um, their, their favorite thing to watch, their, whatever they pour themselves into their bank accounts is that rises and falls, you know, their stocks or bonds, whatever, whatever their passion is. If you were to put a woman there and to see that same fella just pour his everything into her, I believe that smell like kingdom to you. If you watched that happen, it would smell, it might first look a little fanatical, like, oh boy, boy, I hope she treats him well. You know what I mean? Woo. But if you keep looking, you might see her develop and look as loved as she is. Shine with the attention and the appreciation and the acceptance and the approval and the aspirations of her husband poured into her, right? So I'm interested as men and women and genders and, you know, has, as there, there have been some questions and even as men have wrestled with what's going on in the world, like where do I belong, whether it's a man's um, age or his gender or his uh, coloring, his nationality, like there's all sort, or even the the kind of job he grew up in and and no longer perhaps does or sees a lot of value being um, given to it. It can feel like he's been, you know, used and thrown away or he's been marginalized when he should be center and all of those things. But maybe there's something kingdom going on. Not about women ruling the world, but about the sons and daughters of God, the bride of Christ manifesting. And perhaps to Jesus's utter delight, right? Because the moment that she is all that she is, will it not be a chorus of come Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Think about Abraham just for a moment, who sent his servant back to his family, uh, maybe back in what, the Ur of Chaldees, Haran, and with the express purpose of getting a wife for his son, right? Totally sounds like God sending the Holy Spirit to find the bride of Christ. But so the servant goes and sits by a well and says, Lord, I need your help on this one. And he prays that the first person that he asks, hey, will you give me some water? And she says, such and such, that that will be the one. Well, he prays, up comes a woman, lovely woman. He says what he told God he would say. And she says what he asked God for her to say. And indeed, that was her. And not only did she like give him water, she poured the water into her hand. Whoa. And fed him like she, right? It reminds me of the woman who used her hair 
to wipe Jesus' feet, right? Or even Mary who cried at his feet. This sense of such honor, such love, such humility, such love extended, right? Literally looking like the Savior in just her being, okay? Not only did she feed him water, but she said, I'm going to feed your camels. And there were like a bunch of them, nine or ten of them. And so she had to go back and forth from the well with her pitcher or with her bucket or whatever it is and give them water. And then she's like, hey, we've got places for you to stay. We've got food and fodder for your animals. We, like, I'm prepared for you. And even though she was not thinking about getting married or, you know, this is just a stranger, but being the bride, come on, oh, her very identity right? There was a way that she was. Oh, goodness. Not just a tendency or propensity, right? She didn't just lean towards, no, this is who she was. So you caught her at two o'clock, five o'clock, this is what you get, right? That's the identity of the bride of Christ. You get Jesus. Amen. Now, if you feel like, oh boy, that doesn't sound like me. It's not about your making it happen, right? There's a maturation process, a sanctifying that's going on where we're all losing the dimness and shining more brightly. It's who we are. Um, A witness is conspicuous in that way, amen? And the Lord God Almighty is doing the work. And in that way, I want to say male and female is the bride. And we're talking about a spiritual identity. So there is an activity of showing forth the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit that we all do in ways that may, in, for some, feel quite feminine. You know, the nurturing, the nourishing, the caring, the appreciating in a servant way, the receiving and listening, the extending kindness. All of that might feel very sappy. Ugh. But those things, so there's a show, The Men Who Built America, and it's all these guys, you know, There's a way that, you know, the skyscrapers went up, so to speak. There's a way that we've come to so many things. And there's a way that's begun to make its way that is softer and more appreciating. And even though none of us would have wanted last year's um, isolation had we known beforehand, amen, we wouldn't ask to have to wear a mask. (laughs) But the air got cleared a bit and the the oceans you know the waters and there was a rest in the land all land you know pretty much very few places were not touched by the necessity to just shh, calm down And any ones that weren't touched were probably so remote that they were probably pretty calm as it is. Amen. So I would posit that there is an influence of women that is God-given and a great blessing. Not women taking over, not women pushing men off, not women not appreciating men. In fact, 
I really believe there is this beautiful concert possible and in some places really showing itself. Um, that's quite Christian. Amen. And even modeling. Um, even modeling. And sometimes the world gets it right by accident before we get it. Amen. And get that anointing going and that um, momentum going to really offer sort of the production values of heaven, amen, for it to really be excellent, right? We sometimes have stumbled and fumbled before we've gotten it all kind of Academy Award um, ready or um, at that level. And there is a being that the body has been a bit clumsy in that, frankly, the world looks pretty good at doing But as we trust in the Lord, there is a coming through in a way that is so signature God, signature Christ Jesus, signature Holy Spirit. And that then draws people who have an appreciation for the very thing that they were showing forth to some degree. And so can recognize some of that in us as God shows forth his glory, right? Shows off. Amen. Okay. So yes, sola Christos, absolutely, and Christ is pointing to us and calling forth our identity and our destiny in such a way that in the flesh, it would look like it's all about us and what's your problem? This is, you know, get off of you, stop with the you. Well, we do need to stop with the you and the me. That's the surrender that we are all being called to. But as we do that, as we humble ourselves, God then honors us in such a way that, whoa, we're catapulted in to a degree that whew, we never dreamed. And it's his doing and it's marvelous. Amen. In our eyes. And then to God's glory alone. Yeah. I mean, truly don't need his glory. Don't take his credit. Get off of the, you know, get out of there. Don't touch that. And then God is pleased to bless you with fame and to bless you with provision with great blessing and abundance. And look at what he said to Abraham, right? You'll be the father of many nations. Look at the stars, the sky, look at the sand of the sea. It's going to be further and bigger and greater than all of that. And even Jesus says, Hey, you're going to do things that are greater than the things that I've done. It's hard to imagine, but if you recognize it's in the heart of God, then you both don't get near taking anything that belongs to the Lord, right? You point to him always. But then when he calls on people to either point to you or appreciate you or whatever you recognize, you do it in the name of the Lord. And you as a, let's say a flower that's bloomed. Oh, I feel that. You are glorifying your father as you're being appreciated by the world, as you're being appreciated by someone walking by in the botanical gardens um, to shy away, to take a petal and close you know, the middle of the flower so that you're not being seen is not actually humble, believe it or not. Vashti judged her husband, it sounds like. You know, he was drunk, he was full of wine, and he wanted her to come and show her beauty. And she was like, yeah, no. (laughs) She was like, yeah, no. She had her thing with her women, and, you know, she had her own feast going on, her own banquet, and she wasn't having it. Um, But that's the king. I mean, you're the queen, but that's, that's, she refused him. 
She refused him. Even the Bible says, don't refuse your husband. Don't refuse your wife. The will of the king came forth and she said no, which would reverberate throughout the kingdom, right? And if you're, you know, in your little five by five and your husband says something, you might be like, no, no, I ain't, no. And, right? And so they got another queen. And that queen didn't even want to come near him if he was not clearly desiring her presence. She's like, no, 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 no. He hasn't asked for me in a month. Oh, gosh, no, I'm not sure if that's okay. When her uncle said to her, you need to go talk to him. You need to, do, you need to help the people. And then when she went forth, right, he put the scepter out and he blessed her. And he continued to bless her. And he continued to wax stronger and stronger in his affection for her and his loyalty and fidelity as a husband. And her trials seemed to have brought out his husbandry, so to speak. Um, His house banding her, his protectiveness and his um, love of her and his wanting to see her um, well. And she was empowered with his ring, you know, with his seal. And she and her uncle Mordecai did great things for their people with his approval. Again, you've got that king who is anointing, who is allowing, who is permitting, who is witnessing his power utilized for good. Um... So, yes, God to God's glory alone. And God himself chooses to bless us in ways that are glorifying and for us to allow that, however big that stage might be, you know, or how bright that light might feel, to do so in and with him is to glorify him, is to bless him. With this, I feel like I have shared what feels to me a little bit like what R.T. Kendall talks about. He says, you know, there are people of the word and there are people of the spirit. There are people that are of the logos and people of the rhema. There are people who abide by the text and people who want to hear from the spirit. And they're like a marriage. And they belong together. And I personally sense from the Lord that The Protestant church and the Catholic church are the church of God in Christ Jesus and need one another, need to hear what one another are saying and feeling and to find, like a Republican or a Democrat, right? Need to find in that, like a woman and a man, right? What is the spirit saying? What is the word saying? Where are we needing God's help? to find the understanding he has for us to receive? How do we surrender on a level we've never imagined to embrace one we never imagined as potentially not in trouble with God? Because of course, right, both have been like in the past. I feel like in this day, the Protestants have a word for the Catholics Brava, bravo, that you say that 
the Catholic Church is not the only repository of believers. And yet, it is Christ Jesus who is the Savior, right? Jesus is the Lord. And then the Catholic Church, um, man, I believe the Catholic Church has a lot to say. And um, if you happen to be someone who says, what in the handpot could the Catholic Church possibly have to say? Feel free to contact me. And there is a fella, and I can't say, you know, that I agree with anyone 100% if I give you their name or if I give you a movie or a book or a song. Um, there's a reason, but it's not, I'm not saying they're the gospel. I, I'm saying that there's something to receive from them. And I've been deeply blessed by some of the teaching and some of the sharing of a man who was, I believe, a Protestant minister. I think he was a pastor and maybe even a professor, um, a theological professor, and then became a Catholic. Um, And not a priest, but again, a theologian and I believe now, if not a, a president of a school, maybe a dean, something like that, maybe Franciscan University. His name is Scott H-A-H-N Han. I just heard him a few days ago, and what he was saying was so beautiful. Sometimes, ooh, I just feel the Holy Spirit when he speaks. And I think I was hearing about him I think he was talking about the evangelical Catholic Church or the Catholic Protestant, you know, something like that. Um, there are many of us bridges that are placed by God in places where we are receiving from pockets that aren't speaking to each other. And we are meant to bring a saving and a reconciling and a repairing word that Jesus might have a dwelling place of peace where he has accepted them, why shouldn't we? Amen. So I love you, and I've only gotten about 10 minutes into a movie that I was watching, but I was so touched by what I heard that I wanted to share with you um, the beginnings of a conversation. And just in passing, if ever you hear something that I've have on a podcast or a sermon or um, that I, I've written somewhere, anything that I communicate and you just want to know more or you have some enlightenment for me or you just kind of want to chew on it a bit with me, I want to just invite you to contact me. Um, I really appreciate content Uh, conversations. I really appreciate them. I believe that we are iron that sharpens iron and that God graces us with um, experiences of the Holy Spirit as we identify his word, right? As we recognize Jesus together, as we behold him and as we empty ourselves and ask him to come and teach us more, you know, or fill out our belief, fill out our understanding. I bless you in the name of Jesus, and I pray that you have a 
glorious morning, afternoon, evening. Until we chat again. Have a good day.